Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. What's up, what's up, what's up? Keith Giles, hey. how are you in the motherfucking house? Woo-hoo. How you doing, man? Uh, good to be back, my friend. Not that, well, I guess, where did we go? But anyway, it's good to be back. <laughs> it is good to be back. Here for another episode of Postates Anonymous. And uh, we're, we got the one-two punch going here. You got Solar Mysterium coming out. I have Learning to Float coming out. And we're going to talk about your book today. Awesome. And then next episode, I assume it'll be, we'll talk about your book. That's the plan. All right, let's do it. I'm it's excited. like it's almost it's almost like we plan this shit. Yeah, you know, I mean, it also is that we have books coming out and we don't have anything else to talk about. So let's talk about our book. I, I'm so fucking busy, dude. I don't have time to. I know, I know we had we had a plan to chop up some Elisa uh, Childers audio and comment yeah. and months ago. It's like old. And honestly, now. like I, yeah, I just stare at it and I'm like, fuck, Ugh. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, maybe it's one of these things where uh, if we ignore her, she'll go away or, or just, I don't know. I, I think people are just starting to learn to kind of tune her out and not take her stuff seriously. Because anyone, when she first started doing her stuff, I was getting messages from people all over the place. Like, Keith, can you respond to this? Because my mom sent this to me and I don't know what to say. And like, I don't want your help. Like, you know, because it seems like she's convincing people, you know, of all this stuff. So, you know, that's why we started responding and doing all that stuff. But now it's kind of like, eh, I'm just, no, I don't care anymore. No, I don't really give a shit. You know, I, um, I'm, uh, I've got this book idea, a satire book. And so I was, uh, you know, it's like the 10 ways in which progressive Christianity is ruining our nation and our kids. <laughs> and just go get her book. and. <laughs> no, I was looking up stuff and Mike Winger kept coming up. And I well, never like, oh uh, my God, I wanted to punch my laptop. Because he's so nice, he's smiling, and he's just like so sincere. But then he's just saying the the worst stuff, like, "Dude, I just can't (laughs) handle it. I I just, I can't. I mean, researching for this book is going to be, it's going to be painful. Yeah, but but alas, satire (laughs) must go on. So there you go. Yes, you got to do the hard Um, work, my friend. Got to, you got to do the hard work to sell ten copies. Um, so we have uh, we have another sponsor today. I don't know how it relates to our topic, which is your book. I, mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think it does. Um, and I That's will just okay. say that it took it took a couple takes to get through this one. <laughs> okay, and I have not heard this. I don't want people to know. I have not heard the sponsor. <laughs> so I will be reacting in real time. Yeah, so this has been a fun show. We will be canceled after this. Let's <laughs> okay. get into it. Oh, good. Are you a frustrated incel? Are you worried that your lack of pussy will result in your eventual arrest for conspiring to riot during a pride parade? Well, we've got you covered. At the Pocket Pussy Program, or Triple P, we're committed to preventing future mass shooters by providing free pocket pussies to any man who is unable to sexually attract members of the opposite sex. Feeling the urge to shoot up a bank or school? Just head into any public restroom, pull out your pocket pussy, and go to town. You'll have to trust us, but our patented skin soft technology will feel just like the real thing and you'll be calm and ready for a snack in no time. Currently we have over 20 different pussies to choose from, modeled after real life porn stars like Lola Lollipop, Foxy Felicia, 
and Yoni Jones. We even have three anal models if going through the back door is your thing. Sign up now at www.pocketpussiesforme.com today, and you may just prevent tomorrow's next mass shooting. God. Oh, my gosh. It gets harder and harder to recommend this podcast to my friends. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I apologize to all of our listeners who are here for Keith and not here for me. If you're here for me, you know what the deal is. But if you're here for Keith, I have definitely corrupted the youth. Yes, a little asterisk there. Like, uh, yes, we do not endorse all products or sponsors of the show. I I would endorse that. I think... um, it's not it's I, not the solution, but it's a solution. It is definitely a solution. I would say let's let's pass those out instead of uh instead of guns. That would well, be Well, no, there was the um there was a group of uh college students who were uh, open carrying dildos after one of the mass yeah. shootings. Yeah. to make to make a point. Right. So, and I think that they did. That, that it's more objectionable to carry a dildo yeah. in public yeah. than a gun. Then yeah. your AR15 into Walmart. Mm-hmm. Or the Starbucks, and you know, in case shit goes down in the Starbucks, because <laughs> because you never know when you're going to well, need that. True. Yeah. True. Oh man. Well, so sign up today if you need one of those. I recommend. Yeah, that's it. that's beautiful. And now let's talk about the beautiful mystery of God, <laughs> which is a great segue into our next great segue. Uh, yes. So so uh, yeah, let's talk. So you've got. Um, Everyone knows this, but you have your seven-part Jesus Un-series. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's probably heavily Christian or Jesus-centered, and not mm-hmm. that this book isn't, but it's maybe a departure for you and in, in, in one way or another, or at least a progression for you that maybe some people wouldn't be there with you any longer. Yeah, and you know, I don't. I mean, maybe you want to start there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's have probably. You, have you place. have you have you faced any pushback so far? Hmm. Have I faced any pushback? Yes, I have. Sadly, <laughs> uh, shockingly, in some ways, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you know, you know, it's one of those things where even when I was writing the book, I knew that I was going. I was going to go places that not everyone. Uh, who follows me or who liked, you know, like who loved the Jesus Sun series not all of them are going to go with me there. Right. And so I knew that. And, and that's, you have to kind of recognize, you know, as a writer, when you are kind of moving, progressing forward, changing your views on certain things and moving into new territory that, um, it, you know, it reminds me, like you remember when we interviewed Derek Webb, right? Uh, he, yeah. he, I never forget it. Cause he had that wonderful quote about that, like being an artist, being a musician, part of what you do that what makes your music and your art special is that you're transparent you're vulnerable and you're honest about where you are and you're writing songs that reflect just your true, you know, heart and mind and, and your feelings and where you're at. So, and that when you do that, truly, honestly, you have to recognize that not everyone's going to go with you there. Like they're going to go, Oh no, I don't like that song. I don't like what you're saying in that song. And at the, at that point, you can't even really apologize. You just say, well, then it, thank you for listening to my music to this point, and I appreciate that. Keep listening to the old stuff if you like those, you know, songs. But, but I'm gonna go in this direction. You will lose some people, but you'll pick up new fans who will be like, ah, this is exactly what I needed. And um, so I knew that. But you know, uh, <clears throat> as you always do when you have a new book, you know, you get it finished and you you send out an advanced copy to 
you know, people, peers, other authors, other other theologians and thinkers and influencers. And you want to get their feedback. You hope for a maybe a nice quote or something you can use to share. And so I did that. And I always do that. And um, so some of those people came back and said not only could they not endorse it, <clears throat> but um, strongly encouraged me to consider not publishing this book at all. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was that was disappointing on one level, but on another level, I get it. I know I get that I'm I am moving in that uh, away from some people's comfort zones. So there there you have which, it. Which which is which is odd because so for me and and I, and I don't know we don't we're not going to name names. I don't know the motivation behind saying that. But for me it it come it's like okay, so in Jesus un you undo a lot of Maybe yeah. this is too reductive, but you undo a lot of fear-based doctrines, right? Yeah. yeah. So at that point, even if your book now, Sola Mysterium, is wrong, whatever that would mean. Right. Like there, sh- there shouldn't be like, okay, now that you're wrong, there's some sort of threat now. Oh, now. So but <laughs> where's that motivation? Like you yeah. come out, I mean, you, you argue in favor of universalism. You argue yeah. against penal substitution. You are you against it? I mean, at this point, Keith Giles has gone too far. I mean, so I know. <laughs> it's it's a weird shift that even if you move like, if you move past any sort of orthodoxy or even Christian exclusivism, yeah, to some sort of pluralism, like so what? Yeah, well, no, but that is what it is, right? So the um, the bridge too far. <clears throat> for for at least the ones I've heard from so far, there may be more to come. But the ones that I've heard from so far, I want to say too, by the way, that the criticism and even that advice not to publish the book, I, it genuinely does come from a place of uh, the, the ones I'm thinking of specifically, um, from a place of they the caring about me and loving me and wanting me not to ruin my whatever reputation or blah 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 sure. whatever. Um, sure. But. So, okay, I appreciate that. But um, what I recognize it is, is like you were saying, that the for those who, um, it seems like, okay, that the, the people who who are telling me not to publish this book and feeling like, you know, you've gone too far, I think it's because um, they have a need, they feel a need to defend Christianity or the Bible um, and the the exceptionalism of Christianity or the Bible, um, where even if they were to maybe even, they might even be willing to publicly say, oh, yes, truth exists in other religions. And yes, other, we can find truth in other places too. But they're like, but, but. They're, they're nervous about, they're nervous about anybody saying, um, that there that not only is there truth in other places, it's just as good. <laughs> mm. Because you know what I'm saying? So so for example, like I don't have a church, you know, I don't right. I don't have a congregation. I'm not trying to keep them in my uh in in my, you know, show up every Sunday and what all that stuff. And if I did, I could see that that would be scary for me. That other that other people that I had in, endorsed in the past and tie and connected myself to in the past and said, Oh yeah, we're all in the same boat. He's my, he's my bro. You know, he's my dude. 
And then all of a sudden that one of those guys is suddenly saying things that threaten, um, you know, my need to keep everybody in the Christian club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see saying, well, no, I got to step away now. <laughs> I mm-hmm. can't, I can't say, go read that guy's books anymore because you can see there's a, this is, there's a potential that I'm going to stab myself in the back or, you know, shoot myself in the foot by encouraging people to read a book that makes them read it and go, huh, I guess I don't need to be a part of this anymore. I don't need to be exclusively identifying myself as only a Christian or I only read the Bible or I only, you know, it's only about Jesus or whatever. So, um, I, I mean, I get it. I think that's what it is. I think that's the threat. Well, all negativity aside, what, let's talk about the good things of the book. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, so, so, um, let's go to the, the subtitle. What, what is the subtitle? Yeah. And it's about the, the beautiful uncertainty yes. of everything. It, yeah. That to me sounds like initially like a bit of a paradox. Like, okay, so you're writing a book. Mm-hmm. How can we be, even be certain that this book is you know, right. worth the damn? Right, right. Well, in a way, you can't. So that's that, and I'm actually acknowledging What a that. great marketing pitch. Yes. <laughs> um, well, there's that whole thing about, you know, I'm writing a book and and you have some amount of uh, uh, clout or whatever, you know, influence. And then you use that to tell people not to put you on some kind of a pedestal and make you into their guru. And, but I say that in the book, like don't, don't borrow spiritual insights from other people. We, we do this all the time. Right. Um, so one of, one of the things I'm saying in the book that, like you said, the subtitle is celebrating the beautiful uncertainty of everything. Right. And so absolutely. I, I start with theology because to me, uh, I think it's, I just want to point out, I do this early in the book. Like it's, it's very dishonest and foolish for theologians to walk around acting like they have God and theology all figured out. Theology is just the, is the, you know, the study of God, but God is by definition of being beyond all comprehension and understanding. And so for a theologian to say, okay, this God is, is, uh, beyond human comprehension and now let me explain this god to you perfectly mm-hmm. uh no you can't do both it's a that's a, that's nonsensical so i just want to start by saying the, theology is not about certainty and we people say this all the time so it's not that isn't anything new right the the opposite of faith isn't doubt it's certainty but i really want to push a little harder on this idea and say no we're not certain we're talking about a being that is endlessly uh beyond our comprehension but even so, it, that doesn't mean we should just give up. I think we're called into this mystery, right? Mm-hmm. So I start with theology, but then I, I move out. I kind of widen the circle outward from theology outward into just many other things that we really can't be certain of, things that we assume that we do, quote unquote, know about, that we really probably shouldn't have so much certainty about, about even the world around us, our own, our own what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears, what we, our own memories. Um, you know, the things that science is showing us through psychology, sociology, biology, mathematics, quantum physics, and all these other disciplines are what they're, what they're confirming for us is that we live in a, in a universe that is wondrous beyond imagination. It's, oh my gosh, the more, the more we pull on these threads, the less we know and the more questions we have, right? Like what the hell? And so 
you know, it's not just theology that we should be humi- have some humility about and recognize we don't know uh, and, and embrace this mystery and, and uncertainty, the beautiful uncertainty. Um, really kind of everything is, yeah. it's like uncertainty is an illusion. So we got to back off of that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And because it's like you mentioned memories, right? Yeah. Like the further we get away from an experience, the more warped and twisted our memory of it becomes. You know, we can think right. back, you know, it's like I um I think back to old video games I used to play. Oh, this is the best video game. Oh my right. and some of them do hold up. Don't get me wrong. Contra mm-hmm. holds up. Mm-hmm. Uh Mario, the Mario series holds up. But yep. some games or some bands, you know, I listened to this band oh, yeah. in 2002. I got their CD at a show and then you you put it in if you have a CD player, which most of us don't now. But if you yeah. do. I do. Yeah. And you're like, this is go- where did they record this in my garage? This is garbage. Right. Our memory of it is like, oh, this band killed, you know, this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like we can't be certain by even our own experiences. Right. So I talk yeah. about like. How do I know what I know? Our epistemology begins with direct experience, but yeah. it's so difficult to remove an instant interpretation of that experience based on our presuppositions and experiences before that. So even our experiences are not like a blank slate. They're not tabula rasa, right? There, there's yeah. something we're bringing to our experiences and almost immediately interpreting them. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. No, this is actually to me one of the most fascinating parts of the book. And when I was I was doing the research for it and uh, reading stuff and and listening to so many like lectures on this uh, on this topic by doctors who have done studies on memory. Um, you're absolutely right. We cannot trust our memories at all. Like one one of the researchers said, uh, she said after studying, she's done dozens of studies on memory, um, and her her <laughs> the way she described our memory, she said. Our memories are like Wikipedia pages that we and others can edit. Oh, mm-hmm. And so it's not only that we do it, because but we do it. We totally, like you were saying, we edit our memories all the time. Um, but other people, like in the research she did, she did several different studies where she was successfully able to, um, like 80 out of 100 people, she could convince them either that memories that they real memories that they had were false and it, they could they could successfully convince them that it never happened or the other way around they could give the person they could suggest a memory to the person of an event that never happened in their life like you know when you were when you were little remember a german shepherd when you were at the park with your parents and the dog came and bit you on the leg remember that never happened but they are able to convince them after a little bit like yeah that was horrible i remember it completely and never happened mm. So, um, so we can't trust our memories, but the other, the other thing that was really fascinating, um, just a real simple test. I've actually done this a couple of times with people, uh, like face to face. So just try this. Like, so, you know, close your eyes if you're listening to this right now. So close your eyes. Unless you're and, driving. Well, now, <laughs> thank you. If you're driving, please pull up, pull over to the side. Um, but when you get a chance, when you can safely close your eyes, please close your eyes and Think of a childhood memory and think of a good memory, right? So, so a, a really good memory from your childhood, right? So maybe the first time when you were swimming on the, in summertime, maybe with your friends or learn, riding your bike uh, or playing, you know, with your friends in the backyard or something like that, right? Just so seriously though, close your eyes, pick a memory, a childhood memory, think about it, really, really experience the memory, right? Like 
notice your friends and what are they doing or the weather, uh, what you're wearing, you know, all that. Like just really, really, really sit in the memory for a little bit, right? Okay, so now open your eyes. And now I want to ask you about that memory that you just had, that you just relived. Did you see yourself in the memory, right? So in other words, was the memory that you just experienced, were you standing off to the side, almost like you were holding a video camera, watching yourself ride the bike or watching yourself play with your friends or watching yourself, whatever, like third person? Mm -hmm. That's not a memory. That is yeah. a movie your brain made of the event yeah. so you could remember it. And most people, most people, when they remember an event, that's what they see. They see themselves as a little kid running, you know, and doing or whatever. But from the other, from a vantage point that they weren't there. If it was a true memory, it would be first person. You would It'd look down at your person. hands, yeah. you'd see your feet. You wouldn't see yourself, right? Um, and so, I mean, the first time actually I, I saw that, I was like, holy crap. Most mm. of my memories, childhood memories, that's what they are. I see myself riding the bike and my dad pushing me down the road as I'm learning to ride a bike. I see myself swimming in the pool, you know, in the summertime when I was a kid. Like those aren't memories. <laughs> and this yeah. is this is why it's an editable nature that um, there was another experiment I saw uh, that I, I talked about this in the book too. But another another experiment I saw in memory a long, long term study where like, I think it was over like a 10 or maybe 15, 20 year time period, but at least it was 10 years where they started off with kids um, and they set them in front of a camera and they said, tell me about something that happened recently to you, like a, a really good memory that happened to you. Right. And so they'll tell a story. Right. And they're kids, nine, 10 years old. And they talk about whatever, you know, my friend came over and we played and we did this and blah, blah. My dad told me to get ice cream. Great. Okay, cool. They get on a camera. And then every year they revisit the, the same kid and they remind, they say, tell me the story again. Tell me about that memory again. So, you know, a year later, they tell the memory again. And then two years later, they tell the memory again, three years, four years, five years, 10 years. By the time they get to the 10th year, um, that story, that memory has radically changed. And, and then when they play the first video of the very first time they shared the memory, when it was brand new in their mind, the person 10 years later is watching the video of themselves telling you what happened. And they're like, that's not what happened <laughs> because mm -hmm. they changed it already in their mind. Mm -hmm. And, and again, that's the, that's the editable Wikipedia nature of our memories. So if we can't even fully trust our own memory, I mean, really, what can we say we're certain about or that we know? Right. Okay. So I'm assuming the book does not conclude nihilism then. So, no. Um, what, what would be the takeaway then if we can't trust our memories, a text, obviously, um, yeah. you know, not a text from your wife, but the text, the Bible yeah, or scripture Bible, or whatever, of course. um, we can't even really, I mean, we can trust our experiences to some degree, but not the fact that we are experiencing them without suppositions. Yeah. What would be the take? So, so then what do we do? Right. Well, I mean, so one thing, one thing I, I suggest is, um, like look in the, in the deconstruction context, right. What I, what I will say a lot of times to people is in all your deconstructing of your theology, deconstruct your need to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, so because, right, we can become people who like, I changed my mind 
and now I'm right about something and I'm going to become dogmatic and argumentative about it, right? And we, we don't want to do that. We want to hold loosely to our beliefs. We want to let the, don't let the cement dry, um, right? Hold loosely to our beliefs. Get used to saying things like, I think, I believe, I hope, because you can't say you know with certainty, right? Which is so actually like, kind of contradictory towards being a writer though, right? Like we generally don't say, I think that, I mean, we just say what we say. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I That's think even as- difficult. Yeah, it is. But, but I mean, even as writers, I think we, you know, uh, it is hard to say it maybe in the, in, in when you're writing it down, but, um, but I guess what I'm trying to encourage us to do is to, uh, hold, hold what we think we believe with a little more humility and, 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 and say, you know, I don't, I think, uh, but I'm not sure. So then it keeps you open to other mm-hmm. views and other ideas and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one thing, but I think even in the wider sense of it too, it's just recognizing, um, that it's not about that. It's not about knowing with certainty, you know, like I talk about from a, from a theological perspective, you know, it's, um, I, I think one of the major problems that I've seen, in fact, all the Jesus unbooks are in one way or another dealing with this, right. That, um, evangelical Christianity has become, this religion that has over time convinced itself and others that that the gospel and christianity and all it is all about having the right answers about god right and uh but it's not right it's not about that mm-hmm. at all i i would say it's not about information it's about transformation and um so to go to jesus for a second that's what jesus says and i think it's this radical thing that gets missed it's a scandalous statement that we don't see the scandal of it because of our English translations. It kind of waters it down a little bit. So there's a verse in John where Jesus says, this is eternal life that you would know God and his son. And we read that because we're, we're sort of brainwashed and we're, we're programmed to think that, oh, it's all about having knowing means the right information, having the right answers about God. Well, so again, there's two words in the Greek for that, for knowing, right? So if what Jesus meant was that, you have to have the right information, the right knowledge, the right understanding uh, about God. Then he would have used the Greek word episteme, because that's what that means. It's information, it's knowledge, right? It's certainty. From the word epistemology, or epistemology yeah. comes from that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the word that he used in the Greek, again, which is the nuance is totally lost. The scandal, therefore, is lost. Uh, the word he uses is gnosko. And the, the word gnosko is the word you would use to say what happens when a man uh, on his wedding night uh knows his wife and she conceives. Uh, so that's a different thing. So the scandal of the, the better way to translate that sentence, uh, Jesus is what Jesus is saying is um, eternal life is to have intercourse with God and with Christ. Dun, dun. Where's my, where's my, uh, dun, sound? Dun, I need dun. a sound bite there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that in later. So, um, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like that, that should make you gasp. Like, oh, what the hell? But see, now that's, that's what we miss. So, so um, if we can shift, this is what I'm trying to say in the book on one level. If we change our paradigm, when we think about knowing God, we don't think about having this right theology, the right information. Because that's, again, I think that's ridiculous. But instead, um, to take this, this radical approach that Jesus suggests that it's less about how you know being able to explain God and to be able to you know uh, describe God. It's not about that at all. It's more about uh, having this ability to have an experience of God that mm-hmm. maybe we can't explain, 
but that's okay. I mean, you're not supposed to. It's not mm. about that. So it's a knowing of God in that way. And so now I sound, I know that sounds really Christian because I just quoted Jesus in the Bible and all that stuff to make that point. But then, but my, but my bigger point is that once we get that, the, how do we experience God? So now what I'm saying is, and this is what makes people nervous, is that you can experience God in ways that, that transcend the Bible and transcend even Christianity or Jesus, right? So like I say in the book, you 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 can and probably do already. A lot of people, I think, listening, maybe they don't realize it, but you already have an experience of God. Um, so you know, you're watching a movie, or you're listening to a song, you're having a conversation with a friend, you're walking in the in the in the forest or the beach, or and you have a transcendent experience. Like, wow, that was a God moment. Like, whoa, that was something. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And whether it's Rumi or Black Elk or Socrates or uh, Alan Watts or Richard Rohr or whoever, right? Uh, it's not about, well, was that a Christian? Or, you know, like that doesn't matter. The, what you should be asking is, was that God? Did I just mm-hmm. have an experience of the divine in some transcendent, powerful way? And and that's okay. And that's equally valid, if you want to say authoritative to the Bible or Jesus or anything else. Now that again, that's where people get freaked out. Like, what are you saying? Yeah. But, but, um, but so but moving away from that exclusivity of Christianity or Jesus or the Bible and saying, God is bigger than that, right? If God is God, he was God long before Moses showed up long before anyone wrote the 10 commandments. He was God long before there was a planet earth. Um, and he's the God of everything. So, um, Sure, there's certain, but not the only expression of God. Mm. God, you know, there's there are other people who have experienced God, and we should take them seriously. We should listen to them. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of I'm reading Marcus Borg's Jesus and Buddha, and he says something about like he's he's a Christian scholar. He admits to not being a Buddhist scholar. He knows Jesus way more than he knows the Buddha. Yeah, and Christianity is his home. Yeah, but and and I've made this point before too. Like the Buddha and Jesus, or Thomas Merton and the Dalai Lama, yeah, are all friends. They don't yes. they they they're closer to each other than Richard Rohr is to the Westboro Baptist Church. Yes. So the the understanding of this way of experiencing the world of um Jesus talks about compassion and the buddha talks about compassion and these are kind yeah. of and, and Derek has talked about the ingredients of love or compassion and empathy and um that i you know Derek says he's an atheist and i believe him but that's the most like enlightened shit i've ever heard you know <laughs> it seems to be true like the basic ingredients for the fundamental properties of love are empathy and compassion and yeah. jesus gets this the buddha gets this dalai lama gets this thomas merton Teresa of avila yeah. um so what you're saying to me like is is a it falls in line that's why i gave you the endorsement quote i gave you it falls in line with the mystics of the christian faith as well yeah. as the mystics of other faiths it's not it should not be something to be feared. Of course, I come from my context, so I, I don't. I, I'm more pluralistic than I've ever been. <laughs> so, so take that with a grain of salt. People who are in the Christian camp may not be, even if they're sympathetic towards it. Um, yeah. But I, I just it. 
That's why I I I, lo- I I understand where Jesus on series comes from. I'd write the same sort of books, heretic. Yeah, you know, it, it's from a Christian perspective. I'm trying to undo. It's like it's like you're trying to undo the bad theology. Yeah. And then you get to the end of Jesus on, and you're like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're like, well, now what? Yeah. Now what? Like, what do we do? I, I don't have the fear-based doctrines. I don't need to worry about what the Bible says. Yeah. So, so now what? You know, how do we approach life? What What's this all about? And <laughs> yeah. that's where I see this book fitting in. It's like, it's kind of like your now what? Now, where do we go from here? Yes. You've done the hard work of um, like the kind of apophatic theology. God is not all these shitty things we say about him. <laughs> right, right. So now what? No, you're exactly right, man. The, this this is exactly how I feel about this book. I feel like I had to get I had to write those Jesus Sun books because I was at the time I was asking those questions. I was, and right. people were asking me those questions, like, "Well, what do I do right. about the cross? And what about the well, what about the end times? And what about the what about hell and all that stuff?" Like, okay, so yeah, I, I had to work it out, and then I know, hey, if I I'm gonna write a book that's gonna help other people who are at at this point in their journey they're trying to figure this out too. And they're wrestling with this. But I, what I feel like I totally felt this way when I finished that last Jesus Sun book, I really did feel like, okay, I feel like I've answered all the major questions and objections and problems that people or and even I was wrestling with. And I feel like now I can lay them down. I, I don't mm-hmm. need to keep carrying them around all the time. And I don't need to always, you know, be referring to this stuff. Like, okay, I've, I've dealt with it. I know where I land on it and I'm done with that. And so it's exactly what you said. Now what? And yeah. for me, the this is my now what? This is okay. So this is where I am and this is where I'm going. This is the reason why when I got pushback from people that I love and respect and they were saying, well, Keith, but what about this? And what about that? And, you know, and, and I took it seriously. I went back. I, I even looked back at the book like, okay, are they right about this? Am I, am I doing something wrong? And I, I just went back and read through the book again, and I'm like, no, I wouldn't change a damn thing. This is where I am. This is yeah. exactly where I'm at, and I'm I have to be true to where I'm at. Um, and by the way, this is the other thing too. Like, um, one of the criticisms was, you know, that I was. Uh, the, <laughs> my friend said, um, "You just finished writing this seven part series all about Jesus, and then now you write, you come out with this book that." that kind of starts moving away from Jesus. And I was like, well, maybe that's valid. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me go back and look. Holy moly, man. There is so much scripture in this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think, I don't think there's a chapter that I don't tie something to scripture. And on one level, I kind of am looking forward to, you and I've talked about this. I'm looking forward to the day when I can write a book like this and I don't have to tie mm-hmm. it to some kind of a scripture verse. But I but the reason that I do, at least in this book, and at least for now, I, I I do I do this is because I do I can I can sense places in the book where I say something and I can hear, I, I already know it. There's gonna be readers gonna be like, oh, Keith, I can't oh, believe you said geez. that. Right. And so I just want so I so I'm, to, I'm saying, okay, I understand that was scary to you, but here's like five verses in the New Testament that affirm what I just said that was scary to you. So I'm really not going so far out there that I have just completely left the realm of New Testament theology. Um, so I don't think it's this scary. I don't think it's this far out kind of thing. Um, I know it's farther out than other people want to go. But again, I I really do believe that where I'm at right now, I've not left the realm of 
the things that Jesus affirms, that Paul the Apostle affirms. And um, so I'm not that far out uh, that, as people think, but but I get that people are going to be, uh, that it's going to be too far for some people. I, I totally get that. And so, yeah, I well, guess what I'm saying is it's not for everybody. If you have just begun your deconstruction journey, this might not be the next book you should read from me. Well, if I can use an analogy, like, okay, so you, your Jesus unbooks are at the edge of a river and they're the canoe, you know, that you take across, right? Yeah. You left them there for people. Yes. They're evergreen. You yeah, know, you people go. are going to come along in 20 years and wonder about penal substitution. Hopefully that doesn't last forever. Yes. And that doctrine can go away. But I love that. In, in the meantime, your book is there for them. Yeah. And, but it doesn't mean you have to be there with your book. Sometimes you just leave your book where it is yeah. on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> And people can come along and pick them up when they need them. Yeah. And, exactly. and, but it doesn't mean you have to stay there. Yeah. This is, this is the weird notion. This is how I approach writing and not everyone approaches it this way. It's like, if you come out and you have a, a hit book and that's why people know you, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, okay, but so you better stay there. Otherwise yeah. people are going to flee you and they're going to leave you. Yeah. That's what they want. I, yeah. I, I view books as I'm going to let you take a look at where I was in 2015 or 2022 or whenever the book yeah. comes out. And, and I'm cool with that, but it's a journal entry really. It's yeah. my offer. It's my offering to other people to where I was at at that point, but I don't need to stay there. That's right. And, and I think you've kind of taken the same approach and just knowing you from the start of heritage happy hour to now there's a change and a progression. And if you oh, go yeah. back and listen to episode one and you listen to episode one thirty they're different. Yep. And that's okay. Yeah. But some people don't have that luxury I, I, in a way, like they've built their platform upon X, Y, or Z and that's yeah. where they better stay or their platform might go away. I it didn't might, mean to rhyme. Be yeah. No, that that's right. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think I've said this with every book I've written over the, <laughs> this is the eighth one I've written with choir. And so I, I think seriously, every book I thought this is it. This is the one, this is the one where the bricks start coming through the window and they're going to show up with flaming torches and uh, it's going to be game over, Keith, you know, goodbye, Keith Giles. Um, it doesn't have the same Bell. ring as Farewell, Rob Bell. Though. It doesn't, it doesn't. But, um, and this one might be, you know, I don't know, but, but I'm less, I guess I'm less concerned about that now than I used to be. Um, I'm sure there's going to be people, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be those people that are going to feel like, oh, Keith. I, you know, brother, what are you doing? I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to, I'm going to get those little private messages from people that think they have the right to sort of correct me and speak into my life. And, and they're going to say, Oh, brother Keith, I'm, I'm praying for you. I can't believe, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's fine. I mean, like you said, uh, okay, then read the other books, enjoy them, but, uh, or, this don't. Is or don't, yeah, or don't, whatever. That's fine. Um, yeah, but, but man, I guess, um, I really feel like if people have deconstructed and they continue to deconstruct, this is a book that they're going to read and they're going to feel like this is, this is what's next. You know, this is, this is giving me a direction of where I can go. See, the other thing that I, that I say in the book, and I'm, this is a big, big part of the book. And this is also a big part of where I am right now too. Um, is I don't want to be anybody's guru. Right. And not only do I not want to be your guru, I don't, in other words, what I mean is, don't say 
If someone asks you, what do you believe about something? Don't say, well, I believe this because Brian Zahn believes this, or I believe this because Richard Rohr believes this, or I believe this because Keith Giles said this, or Matt DiStefano said this. And, and I think a lot of times that is what we do. We were kind of been trained to do that. Like growing up in church, right? You, if someone said, what do you believe about X, Y, Z? You probably said whatever your pastor had just said, right? You believe it because that's what he said. And then you deconstruct and now you believe it because it's what Brian McLaren said, or it's what Richard Rohr said. Um, and I get it. And at one, uh, on, on a certain level, these are the people you're learning from and then they're giving you language and you need that language uh, to communicate and to express it. So you refer to those things. I think that's natural. But, but what I want to encourage people to do in this book is get to the place where you believe it because you believe it. You know what I mean? Um, not because someone like, it's like when, and we do this all the time. It's like when you, somebody reads uh, St. Teresa of Avila or, uh, they read some of these mystic books, right? Uh, Julian of Norwich or Thomas Merton or someone like that, Richard Rohr. And, and they read these guys, Thomas Keating, they read these people and um, they're like, oh man, uh, that was beautiful. That was profound, right? So understand when you're reading these mystics and they, and they come up with these beautiful, profound revelations or they, they write these beautiful chapters about these transcendent connections with God and the universe and all that. Um, Understand that's great for them, but where's yours, right? Do mm -hmm. you have, have you had that kind of experience with the universe or with the divine? And why not? Like we have to get to the place where we're not just reading about and borrowing other people's spiritual enlightenment or, or experience. Like where's yours? You know, I mean, um, and I don't, I don't use this illustration to scare anybody. I'm not saying this to put fear in anybody. This is not at all where, where I, cause I don't think it has anything to do with it, but I was, I did have the revelation or realization the other day. I was thinking like, man, you know what? One day we're all going to die, right? My, my soul is going to leave my body. I really, you know, I, cause I believe the soul lives beyond the physical body. So I, I believe that my, one day my body will wear out and die. And my, but I will continue to live on and my spirit will lift out of my body and transcend to some other spiritual dimension. I believe I'm going to then come face to face with, with the creator of the universe, the divine source of all things. And I'm thinking that had better not be the first time I have ever done that, <laughs> that I ever encountered that being. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't mean it from the threat, like, oh, you're in trouble, you're in danger. No, I don't mean that. I mean, just like how sad would it be? that I wouldn't, I would have reached that point in my existence and I've, and I've never taken the time to have any clue about what I'm about to encounter this being I'm about to come, you know, face to face with in a way to, to, you know, in some way spiritually. So, um, especially when I believe, I fully believe that this is something we can begin to experience right now in this body, in this existence. And, and my experience, uh, an experience of many other mystics, not only is it possible, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. It's like, man, this is incredible. And so I, in my book, what I want to encourage people to do is to move from being enriched and inspired by these kind of mystical experiences that other people have had and realize that, well, you can start and have your own too. And where's yours? You know, start, start working that out, figuring that out, developing that. 
Uh, and I want to encourage people to, to do that. And again, to be, kind of become their own guru. There's a guru that lives in you that you can know what's true. You have an ability to experience uh, truth and, and the divine and all that. And I want to kind of push people out into the uh, out of the boat, into the into the water and say, learn how to swim. Or learn how to float. Or learn how to float. God damn it. I'm a professional, Keith. If only there was like a book that people could read after mine comes out. Like they could Man. get mine on the 28th and then read that. And then after they read that, they could say, you know what I need to do? I need to learn how to float. <laughs> and then maybe uh, there could be a book. <laughs> uh, mine's more personal than that. But um, it takes work, though. It takes uh, a lot of work to... Um, you know, it's like one of those things when you talk about meditation, let's say, uh -huh. for instance. And unfortunately, we don't view meditation. You know, we're just, oh, I'm really bad at it. I don't like it. Well, how yeah. many times have you tried it? Right. Well, I tried it a couple times. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, good. I really sucked at playing piano the first three times I played. <laughs> the first uh -huh. hundred times I played. The first thousand times I played. Yeah. And now I'm I'm okay at piano. I've played it thousands of times, right? And I've practiced right. and I've learned my scales and I'm I'm nowhere near a you know professional musician, but I can play some tunes and I'm okay. Yeah. But I but I realize that we all realize that. If you're gonna get yeah. good at something, if you're going to develop something, some sort of skill, if you're gonna go deep into something, deep dive into something, it takes time and it takes effort. And, you know, when we're talking about the divine, which is infinitely more complex than the piano in the piano, yeah. there's 88 keys, there's some blacks, there's some whites, <laughs> there's scales, you can go in and out of them and all that. But hey, it's, it's complex, but it's not so complex, right? Right. Um, but the divine is infinitely complex. So if you want to meet God, you bet you should start now and learn and go deep and deep and deep. And it's like peeling an onion. I've heard Richard Rohr use that yeah. uh, analogy and, you know. You but though, yeah, I think that's a great analogy. I think, um, yeah, if we approached it like if we approached like meditation and silence and those kind of practices, uh, like learning to play the guitar, right? Man, I got to tell you, those first couple of weeks, getting your calluses, it hurts like hell. Like it physically hurts <laughs> you to put yeah. your fingers. And after a while, they get start getting really in the beginning, right? They're really sensitive and raw, and like it just hurts to press down and to get the. the but you keep going. You press through that. You do it. And then eventually, um, like I, that, that, that's my analogy. Yours is piano playing. Mine is guitar playing. Like I, I can play. I know probably most of the basic chords. I can, if you give me like a, a chart or something, you know, give me the chords. I can, I can play most songs, you know, maybe. It depends on what, they, what some of those chords are that are really difficult for me to play. I might find a cheater. There's cheater chords, by the way. You can like, well, instead of playing F sharp minor, you can play this. Yeah, so, you got to cheat a little bit unless right. you're good. <laughs> yeah, but um, but you know, you can get to the point where like you're decent enough that you could maybe fake it through a little bit and like you know, you can play play some songs and oh, that was decent. Um, but it takes time and it takes practice. And yeah, in the beginning, it's it's not the so fun, but it's at one point you reach a point where eventually you're like, wow, that was hey, I played that song. That sounded halfway decent, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, then it becomes easier. You get these calluses on your fingers. It doesn't hurt anymore. And now, you know, you're a little more, you're a little more natural with your transitions and you can jump from a C to a D to an A to a back to a C and a D and, and, uh, and without flubbing it. And Hey, then you feel good about it. Like, Hey, I did it. That was cool. Right. Yeah. And time becomes relative five minutes when you five minutes of meditation, when you mm -hmm. 
never meditated before is yeah. infinitely long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, just like playing five minutes of guitar or 10 minutes of guitar without a callus. Like if I played 10 minutes of guitar right now, it would be painfully long because I haven't played guitar in a while. Me too. And I know I'd get those indentions in my fingers and uh, they'd hurt like shit or drums. I have I don't have a drum set any longer. I used to be really good at drums. Oh, wow. Now, if I played drums for 10 minutes, those muscles in your hands and wrists would get so tired uh-huh. and it would feel like an eternity. The more you yeah. practice, though, you could go, wow, I've been playing drums an hour. It would feel like nothing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Or I've been medit- So I've been meditating for 20 minutes. Wow. I would have never thought I'd be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think you get, um, I think you get, at least for me, uh, it's less about how long you do it. Like when we're talking about meditation and silence sure. and stuff. Like, um, sometimes it's. Sometimes a quickie is good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. And sometimes, you know, here's the thing too. It doesn't, it's not even only about silence and meditation. Like I take walks almost every day around my neighborhood and, um, man, they're just, it's really more like, like I call it like a gratitude walk. Cause it's just this natural thing. I start walking and I'm just meeting like, man, I'm just so thankful for the beautiful day and you know, the weather and my life. And, you know, I start kind of like, wow, like I, I love my wife, my kids, you know, like I'm so happy. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm an author. I have, I have a publisher. I have good friends. I, my, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I just like, as I'm taking my walk, um, when I come home, I feel like I feel really good. And so to me, that's, uh, sort of a spiritual discipline and a practice that's really beneficial. So there's so many other, there's many, many things. And I actually, I do talk about all this in the book, um, that we, we can move away from thinking, Oh, I have to sit on the floor, cross my legs in the lotus position, you know, start going mm, and <laughs> burn some incense or something like, yeah, you can do that. But man, that's not the only way to sort of have this sort of connection. Right. And I think there's, I think you can get to a place too, where it just becomes more natural. Um, you can, you can get to those places driving in your car, or, you know, taking a walk or. I mean, the goal would be to just always be meditative, to always be present now yeah. in the yeah. moment. and. And I think you can, I'll let you know when I'm there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you can begin. <laughs> let's say that way. I think people can begin to develop um, a practice where it kind of becomes more like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And you again, like anything, you get better the more you do it. So anyway, I, mean, I, had, yeah. I, ha- I have those things when I'm picking weeds. Like I was picking weeds out of my strawberry uh, yeah. area, and it was just like, if you're really just focused on the moment and just picking yeah. that one way, I mean, it's just beautiful. Yeah. If you're yeah. like, oh getting paranoid. I got 3000 weeds here and I go, you're all over the place. But you know, yeah. if you just sit down and focus on this one little area and that's all you're focused on, it becomes very nice. Yeah. And that, exactly. You can do that with anything. Like there've been times mm-hmm. just seriously washing the dishes, right? You just kind of get into this little meditative moment. Totally. Like, oh, I'm- was it, was it brother Lawrence who people would uh, yeah. come watch him sweep the, or no peel potatoes? Yeah. And it was like watching this event. It, like it was a thing that people would watch him peel potatoes. It's like, yeah, I don't get that. Well, you don't get that unless it's like sweeping steps. Why do Buddhists sweep steps? Right. Well, go sweep a step and just focus on the sweeping of the steps. I mean, it's very yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. Very so this nice. is yeah. This is the reason why there's something called shower thoughts because people do that in the shower, right? Because what you're doing, you're in the shower, you're focused. We're not going to talk about my shower thoughts, Keith. Okay. Well. <laughs> But a lot of times, um, you know, you're in the shower and you're, you're just kind of focused on going to your little routine. And then 
you will suddenly have a have a sort of an aha moment of something like, whoa, hey, look at that. And that those kinds of things can happen in, in any time you are sort of like focused on one simple thing. By the way, mm-hmm. I, I've only recently, I, I don't talk about this in the book very much, but um, I uh, right currently I'm looking into like hypnotherapy and um, there's a woman named Melissa Tears that I just kind of came across. Thanks to Jason, uh, Justin Tang, by the way, he, he's the one that recommended her. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Um, yeah, I discovered her and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's just phenomenal. And, and what she talks about is how hypnosis is something on, on a certain level, all of us, um, experience on a daily basis. We just don't think of it as hypnosis, but she says, basically all you have to do for hypnosis to happen to, to go get into a hypnotic state, all two things need to happen. One, you have to focus on something. You, you push away all other distractions and you focus on one simple thing. And, and then the other thing is you kind of pull us, push aside the part of your brain that's analytical and, um, uh, you know, well, I guess the analytical part of your brain. Right. And, um, and when you do those two things, you open yourself up to suggestion mm-hmm. and you kind of free up this sort of creative part of your mind. And, you know, this happens when you watch television. When you listen to a podcast, when you watch a movie, when you read a book, you're focused on the thing in front of you, 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 the creative part of your brain kicks in and you enter this kind of like this zone, right? And that happens. That's what's happening when you're gardening and when you're in the shower and when you're washing the dishes, all of that. Um, there's a good friend of mine, his name is Keck and, uh, he has this little phrase and more and more I'm convinced it's true where he says, everything is hypnosis. And uh, I'm feeling a little bit more and more like, you know, in a way, we kind of hypnotize ourselves all the time. And and the scary thing is, we should be aware of this, other people hypnotize us too. So again, this whole thing about how yeah. our memories can be edited by other people, right? Um, our experiences, our thoughts can be as well. And we're kind of doing this, we're opening ourselves up to that possibility every time we read a book or watch a movie or anything mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. um, just being aware of that. Hmm. Well, final thoughts, Keith. You, I, I, it's, it's. We didn't plan this, but it just worked out that the day this podcast drops is the day the book drops. So yeah. I'm, I'm guessing everywhere, Amazon, oh yeah, books, uh, Barnes and Noble, every, you know, wherever you buy books, yes, wherever you buy books, Kindle uh, and print, right? Kindle and print, yes. Audiobook is uh, in process at this very moment. So okay, um, good. Check that out. Uh, yeah. I'll also buy my. Uh, my, my guy, Eric Morrison, he's, he's done audiobooks for all my books since Jesus Unbound. I uh, okay. love that guy. love his voice. Uh, he's really good. So, uh, right. yeah, I guess final thoughts. I don't know. Um, I, I just, I'm so excited for this book, man. I, I, there's so many things I packed into this book. There's not even, uh, I can't even talk about all of them on, on a podcast. Um, but I talk about um, frequency, um, I, where ideas come from, this idea space concept. Um, quantum science, things like this. There's so many things. My gosh, I, I just, I literally dive into all these different things. Memory. I talk about um, uh, the fungal root system. Uh, That's fascinating. Isn't that amazing, dude? Have you seen that documentary on fungi? Uh, uh, is that on Netflix? Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard about it. I haven't watched it, but I, I oh. but I came across that article that I, that I used that I referenced in the book. Like, it it's is fucking fascinating. It's, it's amazing. So again, like we live in this universe that is just, it's fascinating beyond 
words. It's just yeah. like, and so that's just the universe we live in. Like, you, you know, God is way more <laughs> deep and wide and amazing and fascinating than that. If, if our own bodies, um, trees and mushrooms and the ocean and everything else is like, just like endlessly, uh, fascinating and, and mysterious, like, well, of course, yeah. the source of all, of all of that is also. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I hope what, but I don't want people to feel paralyzed by it. It's one of these things where it's like, it's, it's almost like you could have two different reactions. Like, Oh, well, if the, the ocean is so wide, why, you know, I'll never swim across it. So I won't try. No, no, no. You're right. You'll never swim across the ocean, but dive in and, 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 and enjoy it. Cause man, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And you will yeah, not think, regret it. I think the point, you know, the hope would be not to be paralyzed by it, but to be mobilized by something yeah. like this. Like it's so, it's so awe-inspiring. Now just, now just go experience and just take it yeah. all in. Like, you know, yeah. so I will definitely link, link to Keith's book in the show notes, click it, give the book a buy, a purchase, yeah, give it a review. All please, that good stuff. Yeah, please rate and review. I really, you know, those things go a long way. Yes, they do. And rate and review this podcast. So, please. Uh, pretty please. I'm not going to give you anything for it, just <laughs> our eternal gratitude. Yes. And undying love. That's all you need. <laughs> so, thanks for listening, Keith. Thanks for writing the book. Um, I'm sure I'll see you around sometime soon. Uh, probably in about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got something else in about 10 minutes. We got some things cooking, folks, so be on the lookout for oh, that. Oh, we right. can't even t- – just wait. Even. When we finally just uh, drop this bomb, you guys are going to – it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your minds. I'm certain of that. That's the one thing I'm certain of. Yes, I am certain of that too. <laughs> oh, you just contradicted yourself. All right. Well, <laughs> peace and love. We'll talk to you All later. Right. All right.